morning. <laughs> um, I'm happy to see all of you here, um, and you uh, are here. You know why what we're uh, doing today, but um, for those of you who might not, the session is um, exploring the possibility of becoming a more light church. And next week, we're going to hear more about what that means, being a more light church. And the session asked the mission committee to um, set up a couple of open forums for an opportunity for us to, one, learn about that uh, organization, and also to um, just think a bit more about how we might be a more welcoming church to uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, questioning, and queer. I left out anybody, but you know, that range of folks. And uh, so we're just really delighted this morning to have the Reverend J.C. Cadwallader join us. Uh, she most recently was the interim minister at Western Presbyterian Church. Um, she is an ordained Presbyterian pastor and she's a member minister of the National Capital Presbytery here. Um, she was ordained at the fourth Presbyterian Church in Chicago in 2009, and she served there as a pastoral resident. After her residency, residency she served as the Director of Recruitment and, and Admissions at McCormick, uh, at the Theological Seminary there, for three years, and then she came here and was at Western Presbyterian. And uh, she's currently living in the lovely little town of Sperryville, Virginia, in the Shenandoahs with her wife and a new puppy named Charlie. Thank you, JC. Um, thank you so much for having me here. Eric and um, folks from your church have reached out in question of uh, finding support so that you can talk to one another. And that's how I view my role here is to help you all uh, engage with one another, delve into the questions that you might have. Uh, any kind of question is uh, a worthy question, particular particularly when it comes to uh, working through the process of opening your doors. So if there is a question that you have on your mind, no matter how minuscule or unrelated you might think that it is, please feel free to just toss it out. Um, this is the safe space to, do, to ask those questions. Um, Eric asked me to come to speak to you because I am pretty intimately uh, familiar with the uh, experience of the church as being a closed place as well as an open place. Um, I myself came out as a lesbian when I was serving as a young adult volunteer. Um, I served as a young adult volunteer with our Presbyterian Church. I don't know if you're familiar with that program. Are you familiar with the Young Adult Volunteer Program? It's a, it's a mission co-working program that's really designed for young people who are just graduating from college to go out into the world and be of service for, at for a year. Um, and we, we have sites that are in the U.S. and sites around the world. And I served for two years, my first in Belfast, my second in Nashville, Tennessee. And during that time, as it is for, I'm so, I apologize that I have a little bit of a cold that I'm on the back end of, so I'm not contagious. Um, so I apologize for uh, the sound of my voice. But, um, you know, a, as most young adults, uh, that's the time in which you're 
you identify your identity. You know, you're, you're learning about your faith identity. You're learning about your sexual identity. You're learning about who you are as an adult human being. Um, and, and it was around that time that I was developing my spiritual identity as understanding myself as a beloved child of God. And I was understanding my own sexual identity as being a lesbian. Those went hand in hand for me um, in my journey. And I had always felt a sense of call to go into the ministry. And I remember sitting with my parents in the conversation that I came out to them. It was a week before I left to go to seminary. And I was sitting and having dinner with them. I'm from North Carolina. And so we were sitting, having barbecue, of course. And, um, and I came out to my parents and my mom's first reaction was, well, I, the church is just not a safe place. I don't know if you should go to seminary. And I said, well, Mom, I don't know what else I could possibly do. I'm called into ministry. And she paused. She thought, you're right. That's right. Okay, well, the church is just going to have to change then because this is the only option. And I'm very grateful that she so quickly flipped that coin. Um, and she has been uh, my number one advocate, as she always has been in my life. But... Um, so, th so when I went to seminary, that was, uh, I, I was out when I was in seminary. Now this was before the denomination had, had full open and inclusive ordination. Um, and my experience was always very positive. The community at McCormick was very loving, very welcoming. Whenever I walked into a room, I didn't feel the label of like, oh, there's JC, she's the lesbian student. It was more like, Oh, there's JC. She's not the best at Hebrew, but she's a good gal, you know? <laughs> like, like it was very comfortable. It was very uh, supportive. It was very nurturing. Um, and that grew as I continued to grow in my own identity as a, a faith leader, as a pastor. Um, that never really wavered. Uh, and I was very grateful that I had the advocate of Fourth Presbyterian Church to ordain me when they did. I was ordained before the technical law had changed with the denomination, but Fourth Presbyterian Church, Chicago Presbytery, the community saw within me a call to leadership of pastoral, of the pastoral office. And so I was ordained, and there's, and I've never, I'm, I'm very grateful, I've never had any pushback, I've never been brought up on charges, I've never been brought, you know, and I'm really appreciative of that, and I do attribute that to the Spirit of God among us, and that um, there are more important things <laughs> to pay attention to when looking to spiritual leadership, uh, looking to spiritual maturation, uh, biblical knowledge, interpretation, skills, um, caringness, <laughs> kindness, things like that. Um, and I have been an advocate for uh, the LGBT community within the congregations that I've worked with and, and, and at the institution of, of McCormick as well. Um, so that's a little bit of my beginning of my journey into ministry. I'm uh, incredibly grateful that I was uh, able to be married in a Presbyterian church uh, just this past May. We were, my wife and I were married at Church of the Pilgrims um, and had a wonderful celebration, and it was an absolute gift, uh, as you all might attest, to be married uh, in the house of God with uh, the beloved community surrounding us. Uh, it was a real gift. So. Um, so that's a little bit about my background and how I came into the church and how, um, yeah, how my leadership uh, has uh, shaped my 
my identity as a pastor and how uh, my sexual orientation plays a role in that, but isn't the, you know, it's not the whole of who I am, nor is it for anybody else. Um, but yes, go for it. Where am I right? So I'm, I'm serving as a transitional pastor. So right now I do not have a call. No, no, because I, I was serving Western Presbyterian Church, and I'm, I'm waiting for my uh, next interim transitional position. So I, I, sir, I was at Fourth for a couple of years in Chicago. Oh no, 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 no! Not this was in Chicago. Yeah, this, uh, this was, this was many years ago in Chicago. Yeah, only Chicago. Oh, very different church. Sorry, yes. No, Fourth Presbyterian Church in Chicago. Yeah, no, that's it. Yes, that's an important distinction. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> that makes sense. That is, a, that is helpful. I didn't even know about this Fourth Presbyterian, so that's helpful. <laughs> that's why they go. Good, good. Um, so my role here is to help you learn what you need to learn. What are your questions that you have about your church uh, engaging in the discussion about being more open and inclusive? What does it mean to you that your church might be more light? What are your concerns about that? Yeah. So now we have full open ordination and we have marriage equality. Okay, so ordination and marriage happened at two different times. Ordination happened in 2010. So I was ordained in 2009, the year later it took place. Um, so, and, and that, what happened there was there was language within our book of order that, had, that said uh, f um, chastity and singleness and fidelity in marriage. And that was kind of the, the language used that was essentially only applied to people who were gay or lesbian. Um, it wasn't being applied to straight people who may have been uh, not practicing chastity and singleness. It was really only being applied to uh, gay people. That happened in 2010, where new language has been put in that's much more open and freeing and appropriate for the office of uh, pastor. And then marriage happened, what, 2012, 11, 12? Or 13? It's very, it's more recent. I'm trying to think if, okay, 16 is a general assembly, then it was 14, 12, so 13 is when it happened. Great. Yeah. Denominationally, yes, yes. Denominationally, we are, yeah. And we allow it to, the, the way that the language has been crafted is that there's freedom for, for churches who don't feel comfortable marrying same-sex couples in their building, they don't have to have that. There's freedom to be able to, to uh, apply pastoral discretion.
Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, I, I think that's a very fair question. I think what's important uh, about this particular question and about congregations joining the More Light movement, it's not necessarily, uh, it's more about engaging with your local neighborhood, your local community, and saying more about who you are publicly. Because culturally, there's a pretty conservative understanding about Christianity in America. Um, there's a really high level of doubt of, of what happens in the institution. There's a high level of um, cynicism towards institutions, um, particularly amongst the millennial generations. There's a real skepticism to ins established institutions. And so local congregations are engaging in these conversations about whether or not to become more light, primarily to show their witness and to show what this particular congregation, this particular group of people believes, and if you are interested in, in evangelizing and in helping people learn about who you are and you want to invite people into the community and you want to be invited into their homes, um, joining the More Light movement is a form of your evangelism and witness as to who you are in a symbolic way that speaks to who you are before you even get to have the conversations. So, does that make sense? Does that, go ahead here. H hang on just one, sure. Okay, sorry. I think that's true. I mean, I, I you know, I think it's, <coughs> excuse me, as it's reflected throughout our whole culture that there is a spectrum of a uh, progressive identity to a very conservative identity. And that's the same within the Presbyterian church as well. And so there are Presbyterian churches who would never even engage in this conversation um, because they're so uniformly against this. Um, but then there are congregations such as yourselves who, who are interested in, in delving into this, exploring it, and if this is a part of who you are as a people, as a people of God, um, then this is a, more light is a symbol that you can kind of put out ahead of you uh, to communicate with others outside of the church too. Yes? Absolutely. Your website will be, is your front door. That, that's everybody. If there's a new person coming into this church, they will have looked at your website first to, to, I, to get to know who you are as to whether or not they want to cross the door of the threshold here. 
What other questions? What does more like? Now, I want to save that question for Sherry because she'll be able to speak more to the actual organization of more light. Um, Sherry Trafford is the. I think more. Uh, what does more light sound like to you? Well, I think what you just said is is right. I think it's it's meant to be a descriptive term of what is more light. More light is more illuminating. It, it it's uh, it's not hiding things in the corner. It's not hiding things in the closet. It's pull. It's shedding light on more of God's creation, and I think that's what. And it's and it's opening our eyes to the magnificence of God's creation as as more light is shed. Does that make sense? It's it's more of a descriptive term in that sense. So the more so I, I I'm not the best one to answer this. That's why it's really like I want Sherry to answer those questions. Um, but my understanding of the more of of the more light organization and what its mandate is, it is to advocate for. Uh, the GLBT community within the Presbyterian Church it, uh, and to help its congregations of the Presbyterian Church understand and become uh, more knowledgeable of uh, God's creation in all people, specifically when it and, and specifically for GLBT persons. Um, that's my understanding of it. Again, Sherry is going to be a much better... <laughs> Uh, descriptor of this does is that helpful sherry will hopefully be more helpful with that <laughs> but it's i mean within our denomination we have an, a number of they're called parachurch organizations and they are they're organizations within our denomination that work specifically with presbyterians um, to help educate and and um, spend time with issues that are very specific in particular. And, and so with our denomination, More Light is on the very progressive side of understanding and educating on GLBT issues. Covenant Network is another one of those. Um, on the conservative side, uh, Presbyterians for Renewal are an organization. Um, they would have advocated against marriage equality and against uh, open ordination. And it's, it, there are significant theological differences between these parachurch organizations. Um, and I can't get into all of those <laughs> at the moment, but, um, but we can talk about some of those differences here. Because that's very real. I think those are the real issues that people are thinking about, too. Do you mean like what what have what things have people done like what, what strategies yeah um okay so I'll, I'll share a story and it's a little bit it's an anecdotal story so I don't know if it will help 
um, here, but um, the church where I did my field studies when I was in seminary, when you're in, se for pastor, people who are planning to be pastors, through the education process, you have to spend a year doing field studies, and it's a part-time internship, essentially. So the church that I did my part-time internship was, it's called Lakeview Presbyterian Church. It's in Chicago. It's on the north side. It's in the neighborhood of Lakeview. It's actually two blocks from Wrigley Field. Um, thank you for the Cubs. Thank you. Um, um, it's two blocks from Wrigley Field, but it's also right in the heart of Boys Town. So that's also kind of known as the gay community of Chicago. Um, and the church, when the pastor was called to it, now, gosh, maybe 18 years ago, when she was called to it, the church uh, was really dying. And, it, and she was really called in to be the hospice chaplain for the congregation and to close it. And she, uh, she just didn't accept that fate for the congregation. And she decided to figure, she was like, well, this is the church, and churches are community centers. I mean, they're, there's, they're places where the community comes to gather together and worship God. The community around us is largely gay, so let's open our doors to people who are gay. And so she started going to, uh, she would spend time at restaurants, at coffee shops, getting to know people. She would go to the um, center on Halstead, which is a, a a center, it's a kind of a community center and health center for gay people. She would go there and hang out with folks. And, and members of the community began to come to Lakeview Church on Sunday mornings. Um, Friday nights they had a, a program called Cafe Pride, which was for um, teenagers, who uh, mostly homeless teenagers who would have a place to go on a Friday night um, where they could be safe, they could be warm, they would get a meal, um, and they wouldn't uh, be loitering in front of all the bars where the business owners didn't want them to be um, because they're too young to go into the bars and so they wouldn't have to go to jail, essentially. Um, and the church just began to reach out and tend to the needs of the people who were living in the neighborhood. Um, and that church now has over almost 400 members, has three pastors, is absolutely booming and beautiful and wonderful and their ministry and mission has grown with such leaps and bounds. And it's, a, it's just a really beautiful story of how, and now it's, it's not a gay church, it's a church that has been, uh, that paid attention to who lives around it and has, I, has not said like, oh, you're gay, so you need to come in here, but has just said, you're a child of God, why don't you come in here? And for somebody who's gay to be understood as a child of God first, it's a real gift. It's a real gift to be able to not just walk around with your label of your sexual orientation. Straight people don't walk around with just the label of their sexual orientation first, right? Um, neither do gay people, except when people label them as such. And so for, for Christians to reach out and say, you're, you're a child of God too, you're a child of God too, you're a child of God too, that's how I see you. First, it's, a, it's an incredible witness to their understanding of who Christ is in the world, and that's attractive to anybody. I mean, and it, you know, that's that's so that's 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 an example. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, and the safety pin has bled over now to us after our election um, in that there are people who are wearing safety pins to indicate that they're a safe space um, for people who are of a different race, a different religion, a different sexual orientation. The safety pin has become that symbol. Um, and I think that's a beautiful symbol. I think I th symbols are really important to us. They're really, um, you know, that's how we communicate with each other before we have the opportunity to speak. And so uh, it's important to us as institutions that our sim the symbols that we project kind of can speak to who we are, not just what our ideals are, but who we are now. And, I, and it, uh, just as, Im as it's important to us as individuals. And so the safety pin, um, becoming a more light church is, essential, is another, it's analogous to the safety pin for the institution. Does that make sense? That might be, yeah. Yeah. Go for it. It's called Presbyterians for Renewal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually don't know as much about their organization, <laughs> to tell you the truth. They've, I've never been quite very welcome in their spaces. Um, but they uh, they tend to be, where are they? The, ev everywhere. I mean, that just as a parachurch, like as more light churches are everywhere, I mean, I think. Um, yeah, they would be people, yeah. They would be, pe they would be of the belief that uh, gay marriage is against God's will. Um, they would be folks who would be, I don't, I, I might misrepresent them, so I don't, in the PCUSA, this is a group only within the PCUSA, Presbyterians for Renewal, yeah, yeah. I'm not the right person to ask that, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs>
and those are valid concerns. Um, I, and they're important questions that I, th I think this is, the, this is the space to ask those questions and to talk amongst yourselves about those concerns. Um, if I could throw my two cents in about the all is welcome and the, va and the, the meaning of that, and that all means all, um, <coughs> I wish that were the case, really. Um, as uh, if you were to look at the websites of, you know, sample, you know, 100 churches in the, in the denomination from the most conservative church to the most progressive church, every single website would describe themselves as being friendly, as being, as welcoming to all people, as to loving Christ. Every single church would say the same exact thing. Uh, but the reality is, is that it's a very different setting for people who are gay to walk into a very conservative church who believes that they, um, that they're against God's will in their own creation um, versus walking into a progressive church that um, sees them as a child of God created fearfully and wonderfully by the creator that creates all of humankind. It's a very different feeling. And so when congregations are pondering this particular question is of is it important to pull out particular marginalized populations in our culture and intentionally say you are welcome um, this is a theological question about whether or not that's important to this community of faith um, and I can't answer that to you, for you, um, but as a, a lesbian, it's important to me that I know that I could come there and that my family would be safe and welcome there. Um, so I, th I think uh, maybe that, but that's anecdotal, that's me, right? And, and uh, But I think that that's, I don't think I'm, alone in that. This morning as I was uh, getting up to leave, we have friends that are visiting uh, in Sperryville and they're, <coughs> excuse me, um, friends of ours that we've had for a long time and um, this morning my wife and one of our friends was sitting on the couch with our puppy talking and um, our friend's wife was upstairs with their baby up and, uh, and I was walking out and I was, you know, getting ready to go, getting picked up donuts for everybody and handing out coffee and donuts and was hustling out. And they said, you know, where are you going this time? Like, where are you preaching? I said, well, I'm not preaching today. I'm just going to, I'm teaching a Sunday school class, or at least I'm going to facilitate a conversation about why it's important for congregations to think about the question of whether or not it's important to invite gay people specifically to church. And this friend of mine, she's, she's a devout atheist. She just, uh, she's highly questioning well, at least in her claim, right? She, but she always comes and asks me very theological questions, probably more theological questions than most uh, church people do. But, um, but she said, well, isn't that just funny? Like, wouldn't all, you know, like, I can't wait till we, don't, till we have a day where we don't have to have that conversation, where all are welcome means all is welcome. Um, I can't wait either. <laughs> That's going to be such a great day when all are welcome means that all are welcome. Um, but we're in a place that we're not quite there yet. And
Well, I think, um, so I hear your concern about not alienating anyone. I think this is what's a, uh, this is a unique opportunity um, in Chevy Chase Presbyterian Church community specifically to be having these conversations so that those voices who may feel alienated can speak up and share their concerns and help the rest, you know, help others understand their perspectives so that um, people who are interested in in becoming a more light church can can share with them what their interest is so that it facilitates dialogue and conversation. Um, But I would encourage you not necessarily to make a decision on uh, fear of alienating a population that's not spoken up or has not really presented itself in such a way. Um, Because you're a community of faith, You're, you're people who believe in the God who created you, who has called you to love God and to love your neighbor. And so in loving your neighbor, there should be an opportunity to be able to really share with one another what you feel, what you think, without judgment. Um, so if, you know, for that group who, you con- who you're concerned about, um, I hope they're s- sharing their concerns and helping, helping to educate about their perspective and to be open to learn too. Go for it.
think I. Well, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> I I think you're right. I think I think going back and looking at the scriptures is a very good place to start for conversation. I think some people might disagree with me because of different reasons, but I think that scripture is an incredibly beautiful gift that God has given us. And there are only seven texts in our scripture, in the whole of scripture, that speak towards sexual orientation. And the five of those are speaking about perversions of sex. It's n and it's not about relationships, it's not about mutuality, it's not about identity, it's about perversions of human relations. Um, and I think that, so to go back to your Genesis, um, have you heard of the narrative lectionary? I don't know if this church has done this. So there's the revised common lectionary, which is what most churches do. And, you know, throughout the year, your pastors will preach on, on texts that are kind of identified by the revised common lectionary. There's one called the narrative lectionary. The narrative lectionary starts at the front of the Bible and it goes all the way through to Revelation. And you spend the year kind of going through, reading it cover to cover. So at Western, last year, uh, we started with the, with the narrative lectionary and I was the first kickoff preacher and it was Genesis 2, which is the one that you don't care for. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the one that has been used as a, a quote unquote clobber text. So I was a little bit intimidated to have this one as my uh, kick off of this new great lectionary <laughs> piece. Uh, but I gotta say, it was a real uh, transformative experience, not only for myself, but also for the congregation to really delve into the text and see what it says. Because, you know, the words of it say this, but whenever we, you know, quote from the Bible, pluck out a verse that just supports our own uh, argument, that's, n that's not a faithful reading of the scripture. And so what, what Second Genesis is speaking to is God's design for us to be together, that we're, we're designed to be in community. We're not designed to be alone. And that's really the thrust of that Genesis 2 text, which I do think is a gift. I think it's beautiful. Um, and I think it complements Genesis 1 well in that understanding of that, like we're not to be just individual beings off by ourselves in solitude, but that we are designed to be together and to be together with people who are different from ourselves. Um, yeah, so uh, so I think you're right. I think scripture is a good place to, to start. I think understanding our own faith tradition and who uh, who we are in the in the story of the people of God, I think that's a really beautiful gift to our own faith journey. And I think it really it it's a powerful tool to invite other people into. Um, young people are they want to be a part of a community. Community is incredibly important to young people and w being welcomed into that, invited into, and feeling welcome, and feeling a p to be a, a meaningful part of that community 
and I, and scripture is a great place to start and, and it's I don't think everybody um, would be as afraid of scripture if it was used less as a weapon but more of a, a development of faith tool yeah Yeah, I encourage you not to make decisions based out of fear, but out of your own identity as to who you are and who you sense God is calling you to be. Um, I don't know if I have a last uh, lecturing word to you, but I do. Um, I would love to close us in prayer if we could um, before you go off to worship. So let us pray. Good and gracious God, you have called us each by name 
and you have called us good. And for that, we give you thanks. On this beautiful morning with the sun shining in the skies and the crisp air in our lungs, we give you thanks for calling us to be community in search of your love, in search of your peace, and to be messengers of your word out into the world again. Thank you for drawing us near to one another and to you. I pray for this community in particular, this Chevy Chase Presbyterian Church, as they draw near to each other to engage in thoughtful discussion, as they listen intently for your word and for what you call them to be and do in the world. Nurture within them a sense of mercy, a sense of peace, a sense of justice, and a sense of power to go out into the world as representatives of your love as they seek to love you and to love their neighbors, all of their neighbors. This world needs your love. The divisions are deep and strong, and only you, O oh Lord, can help us to heal the divide. Be with us, love us, keep us, hold us safe, and we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen.